Welcome to the e-commerce badassery podcast, the place for scrappy female entrepreneurs who want to learn actionable steps and strategies to grow the traffic, sales, and profit in your e-commerce business. I'm your host, Jessica Totillo Coster, a 20-year retail veteran who spent three years as the only employee of a seven-figure online store. That shit was crazy. I know exactly how it feels to do all the things, and I'm sharing everything I learned the hard way so you don't have to. I may have started this business by accident, but supporting badass bosses like you lights me the fuck up, and I am so stoked to see you grow. Are you ready, babe? Let's roll. Welcome back to the e-commerce badassery podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Totillo Coster. Recently, I've been spending some time working on my business in the back end, including outsourcing some things that have been on my to-do list for a while. One of those being updating all of my freebies to match my most recent branding and make sure they all have updated links and access to their companion podcast episodes. While I was getting them together for the designer I'm working with, I came across one of the first freebies I ever created before the resource library was a thing. And when I went to confirm the corresponding podcast episode, I realized I never actually recorded it. So today's episode is based on that freebie, 10 hacks to make more money in your e-commerce business. If you're on my email list and have access to the resource library, you may have already seen this, but we're going to go a bit deeper here on the podcast, and I'll link you to some other episodes where you can dive deeper into some of these topics as well. And if you don't know what the free resource library is, head to ecommercebadassery.com forward slash free stuff to get access. All right, let's get into it. Number one on the list Know your numbers and install Google Analytics. This one should come as no surprise to you as I talk about this a lot, but like I always tell you for your product-based business, you have to repeat yourself. So that's what I'm doing. If you're on a platform like Shopify, you might already be looking at the analytics the platform gives you, but in most cases, I find these are not nearly detailed enough to give you truly actionable insights into how to improve your KPIs. Google Analytics, on the other hand, is going to allow you to go so much deeper into your shopper's behavior and learn not only what KPIs you might need to focus on, but where exactly in the journey you need to focus. In GA, you can see each step in the shopping process, identify which traffic sources have the worst conversion, and even get a full list of the products that you're selling, which if memory serves, you can't see that on the lowest Shopify plan. So weird. And look, maybe you get completely overwhelmed when you look at Google Analytics, and maybe you have no desire or intention to make use of that data right now. That's okay. You want to make sure you at least install it because it cannot track your data retroactively, which means it only starts working on the day you set it up. If you are ready to finally start diving in, I did create a course that walks you through how to use it. It's available on my website right now, and I'll put a link in the show notes for you. Number two, up your email marketing game. You knew I was going to say that, right? With an average ROI of 40 to one, a good email marketing program is the key to long-term e-commerce success. You already know that social media can disappear or change, but email is forever. 
Ultimately, if you don't have a solid email marketing strategy, you are 100% leaving money on the table. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I have a shit ton of episodes on email marketing on this podcast, so we're not going to go too deep on this one here. I'll put links in the show notes versus rattling them off, but I really encourage you to take this part of running an e-commerce business seriously. And if you're listening to this in real time, we're about to wrap up Q2, which means there are only a few more months until Q4 kicks off. And Q3, July through September, is a great time to focus on list growth if it's something you've been slacking on for the last six months. Get as many new potential customers on that email list so you have a bigger pool of people to sell to. Remember, e-commerce is often a numbers game, so the more potential customers you have, the easier it will be to hit your revenue goals. Okay, before I get into these next two, I want you to think about what it's like when you shop in a brick and mortar store. And it doesn't matter what kind of store it is, clothing, boutique, big box store, even the grocery store. What's one thing that every brick and mortar retailer has in common? They all have impulse fixtures at or near the cash wrap. And that is no mistake, my friend. Have you ever shopped in Forever 21, Old Navy, TJ Maxx, Home Goods? Think about what happens when you get in line. How are they creating the pathway to the cashiers? With product fixtures full of low price impulse purchases. The Mac Daddy of this concept is IKEA. You have to go through the whole damn maze before you can check out. And what do you go through last? The marketplace. Full of a whole bunch of shit you probably don't need, but man, it's cheap and cute, and maybe you'll use it someday. So the question is, how do we recreate that experience on our websites? And the next two hacks are the way. Number three, add a cross-sell app. Getting your customers to buy more when they're already on your website is one of, if not the easiest way to generate more revenue in your e-commerce business. And no, I don't mean the passive recommended products at the bottom of your product page. I'm talking about something that interrupts their experience and forces them to pay attention. Ideally, it's a pop-up that shows them other items they might like based on what they're already purchasing. This can happen either right after they add a product to their cart, when they start checkout, or even after they complete their purchase. The best placement is going to depend on your business and product assortment, but a really general rule of thumb is the more cross-sell opportunities you have, the earlier you'll want it to be. If you only have one or two main things that you can offer in a cross-sell, the later you can make it. So for instance, if you're a boutique and you want to show them a top when they buy jeans, and then a piece of jewelry when they buy a top, that works best after they add a product to cart. So they add to cart, pop up. But let's say you're a one product store and your only cross-sell opportunity is to get them to buy more of the same, or maybe there's one accessory that everyone should have, like a no-brainer offer. That will work really well even after they've checked out. I go a lot deeper into using cross-sells and upsells in your e-commerce website in episode 49 of the podcast, so check that out if you're not sure how to best implement this in your business. Number four, raise your shipping threshold. If your shipping threshold is already at or below your average order value, then you're probably giving away too much free shipping. 
Use your free shipping minimum as a way to increase your customer's average order value. You want to be a few dollars more than your current AOV, and it should always be that way. So you'll want to continually revisit and adjust this as needed. The trick here though, is you only want them to have to add one item to their cart to hit that threshold. It's hard to get someone to double what they were planning to spend just to get free shipping. So you'll have to crunch some numbers and look at your product assortment and pricing to find the sweet spot, but it's a powerful way to increase your revenue. Number five, partner with complementary brands. As we've already mentioned today, e-commerce is often a numbers game. So the more eyeballs you can get on your business, the better. And the easiest way to do this is to get in front of other people's audiences. Let me ask you, how did you find me? Did you hear me on someone else's podcast? Did I do a presentation in a community that you're a part of? Maybe you attended a summit that I spoke at, or maybe one of your biz friends told you about me. Either way, these are all examples of how I have leveraged other people's audiences to reach more e-commerce business owners like you. It's the same as when someone pitches to be on the e-commerce badassery podcast. They know I have a niche group of listeners, e-commerce business owners, and if they have a product or service that helps e-commerce business owners coming on this podcast, puts them directly in front of their perfect customer. And you can do the same with your product-based business. The first step is to find another brand with the same target audience as you, but that sells a different product. It doesn't really work if they're a direct competitor. One of the best examples of this, which I shared on Instagram a while ago, is when Poopery and a brand called Super Coffee did a collaboration. Step one, coffee. Step two, poo. They called it the most obvious collab ever and sold a gift set of vanilla flavored coffee and vanilla scented poopery. If you head to ecommercebadassery.com forward slash 137, I'll post their campaign images so you can see just how brilliant this one was. So maybe your brand doesn't allow for such a clever combination, but it's a perfect example of how to really think outside the box or inside the bowl, as I said in my very witty Instagram post. Here are a few more attainable ideas. If you sell CBD and you market your brand as a way to get better sleep, you can partner with a brand who sells sleep masks or someone who teaches meditation. If you sell lactation cookies, you can partner with someone who sells nursing bras. If you sell art prints for baby rooms, partner with someone who sells crib sheets. If you teach people how to grow the traffic sales and profit in their e-commerce business, you can partner with someone who teaches and does paid social media ads. You get the idea, right? There is so much opportunity out there and so many other small businesses are also looking for more visibility. You are stronger together than you are apart, but someone has to make the first move and I recommend that be you. I've definitely talked about this before on the podcast, but I think it's only been in a roundup type episode like this. So I'll add to my episode idealist where I'll focus 100% on this topic and give you some ideas on how you can approach it. If any of you listening have done a successful collaboration with another small business and you want to come on the podcast and share your story with our listeners, please do reach out on Instagram. Number six, add recurring revenue. Recurring revenue is one of the greatest things you can do for your business and you don't have to launch a subscription box to do it. 
If you have a consumable product, simply adding a subscription option for your customers is a great way to guarantee revenue on a regular basis. I subscribe mostly for convenience to things like cat food, litter, paper towels, and razors, but anything that is consumable can work as a subscription product. Skincare, supplements, coffee, makeup, household cleaning products, anything that is a staple in someone's life. And you don't even need to offer anything special for this. Sometimes it's just the convenience of never running out that's enough. But if you do want to encourage people to sign up, a simple 5% savings is totally enough. Recharge is the Mac Daddy of subscriptions, but since Shopify has opened their checkout API and let subscription apps integrate directly with their checkout system, there are some new apps that are pretty awesome too, like Native and Appsol. If you don't sell a consumable product, here's a bonus hack for you. Sell digital products or a service. Digital products are not just for educators or service providers like me. If you're a boutique owner, you could sell a styling guide or offer styling consultations. If you sell fitness apparel, you could sell a PDF workout. If you sell home decor, you could sell a mini course on home decor styling. I have a client who sells yarn and she created some knitting patterns and courses that have sold like hotcakes. In many cases, you can even create and sell a membership community if you want. I worked with an artist who, in addition to selling her work, sells courses and a membership where she teaches people how to paint like her. If you're a boutique, you could create a membership where you release a monthly capsule wardrobe and outfit combinations based on the products that you're bringing into your store. There are so many ways you can diversify the revenue in your e-commerce business. I do recommend you wait until you have the product part nailed down, especially if you're thinking some sort of membership, because that's a lot easier to sell to an established audience versus a cold one, but you're not limited to just selling physical products. The sky is truly the limit. I talk more about adding digital products to your e-commerce business in episode 30 of the podcast. So take a listen to that. If you think this is something you want to implement in your business. Number seven develop systems and processes. This one, while not sexy, is probably one of the most important to implement if you really want to have a successful and scalable business. And truthfully, the earlier you do this, like before you need it, is the best way to tackle it. Flying by the seat of your pants is no way to find freedom as an entrepreneur. And even if you're the one doing all of the things right now, Take the time to sit down and document everything from your daily operational tasks to how you handle common customer service inquiries. It will reduce the stress and make the onboarding process for new team members so much smoother and will allow them to hit the ground running a lot faster. This way, they don't have to ask you a bunch of questions all the time. You can just send them through all your onboarding documents and training checklists. I touched on this at some point in the podcast. I think it was episode nine, how to get more done in less time. One of the things I talked about was how important it is to make sure you had focused time to do the things that you as the CEO need to do. When I was still working the nine to five, there would be days when I was sick and couldn't go into the office, right? Cause then everybody gets sick, but I had too many projects and things I was leading to really take a day off. So I would just work from home. I could do at home in four hours more than I could accomplish in an entire day at the office because there were no interruptions. 
no one knocking on my door, no one calling me to ask me dumb questions that if they just took a minute to think through or look up, they could figure it out on their own. All of those little interruptions take us out of focus and we lose so much time. And look, it's not that you're never going to have to answer a question or take time training people. That's part of the process. But the more you can document up front, the more systematic approaches you can have, the more software tools you can have to automate things for you, the clearer your expectations are of how to handle certain situations. I could keep listing these things out, but I think you get it. Just don't put this stuff off. And look, we all do it, myself included, some of which I'm up against right now. So don't beat yourself up about it and stress out thinking, shit, I haven't done any of this. I need to do it all yesterday. If you can, great, but you don't have to. Getting it done little by little is better than being in complete overwhelm and doing nothing at all. And this is making me think I should create a dedicated episode to all the things you can automate in your business or the systems and processes you should create. What do you think? If you want an episode like that, come over to Instagram and let me know. Number eight. Save time and money wasted on lost shipments. How many times have you had to deal with an angry customer or replace an item because the package got lost in the mail? It's a total time suck for your customer service team and can severely impact your company's bottom line. Root shipping insurance to the rescue. When you add root shipping insurance to your store, the customer can purchase the additional insurance for their package for pennies on the dollar. Should a problem arise, the customer contacts Root directly and they'll take it from there, replacing the cost of the product for the customer. The best part, it's completely free to you as the merchant. You just collect the money from the consumer and then Root bills you monthly to collect it back. There is a link in the show notes if you want to hook up with a rep to learn more about it. Number nine, invest in long-term success with SEO. I know this doesn't feel like a hack, right? Because hack means fast and quick. And you've probably heard me talk about SEO a lot. If you've been with me for a while, you definitely have. And it's not a quick fix, but it is one of the best ways to build sustainable organic growth. And SEO is not a scary word. Sure, there are a lot of technical things that go into it as you get more advanced, but the basics will still have a solid impact on your business. And yes, it's 100% possible to compete with even the biggest websites out there when you make the effort. The best thing about SEO is that even though it takes a little time, effort, and energy to get started, it continues to support the growth of your business for the long term and builds your organic traffic, which is ultimately free. Before I send you off to some resources to learn this, I want to answer one of the most common questions that I get, which is when should I start focusing on SEO? In theory, you would probably think sooner rather than later because it takes a while to work, sometimes six months to a year before you really see the impact. But at the same time, that means while you're focusing on this SEO stuff because you won't see any impact for a while, is there something else you could be focusing on instead that could get you quicker results? Ultimately, it's going to depend a bit on where you're at in your business journey, the products you sell, and what other marketing activities you have at your disposal. But there are certain things SEO related that you should learn and understand from the moment you start your business, like properly naming products, collections, and understanding alt text, because these things are a bigger pain in the ass to update later. So what's the answer? 
Start with episode six of the e-commerce badassery podcast. What is SEO and how to do it? Implement the basics. And then when you're ready to go deeper and really focus on it, reach out to me, join the lounge, or keep your eyes peeled for an SEO 101 course releasing soon. Here's the good news. If you wait to do SEO until you kind of have a more established business and your website's been around for a while and you're kind of already ranking for things, you will see the effects of your efforts faster. So even though you started later, you're not necessarily going to have to wait that whole six to 12 months to see the results. You'll likely see them in as soon as three months. So it's okay to wait. And last, but certainly not least, number 10, ask for help. Of everything we talked about today, this is probably the most powerful because in order to implement all the other things on the list, you're probably going to need it. As solopreneurs or even those with tiny teams, we often feel like we need to do everything ourselves or like we can just figure it out. And you probably can. You're scrappy after all. I personally fall into this trap all the time and I'm going through it and suffering through it right now, though I have already booked some help for a few things and have a call soon for more potential support. But sometimes we just need to admit when we need help. Maybe you need to invest in a mentor to help you figure out your best next steps to clear some cobwebs or to just give you the damn shortcut. And it doesn't necessarily have to be some high price, long-term coaching program. Sometimes it's a membership or a one-off strategy call. And I offer those by the way, or maybe you need a subject matter expert, like a Facebook ad strategist or a VA to help you manage your inbox and calendar or a graphic designer to create graphics for your website and social. Whatever that thing is that you spend too much time doing, or that is honestly below your pay grade, it might be time to outsource it. I've invested a ton in my own education and development to run and grow e-commerce badassery. Right now I'm more in a season of doing, but I owe a lot of my growth to those initial investments I made. And once I get through this season, I'll start investing again to get to my next level. When it comes to the outsourcing part, since I am in this season of checking off that to-do list, I'm hiring shit out because I can't do it all. I mentioned earlier, I hired a designer to help me update some content and I'm paying for a VIP day and it'll all get knocked out in just a few hours. I'm also on the hunt for some other support staff members to help me with some one-time projects that have been building up and crowding my mental space. If you also have a mile long to-do list, here's a little exercise to help you manage it all. This is the exact step I took not too long ago that put me on the track to actually getting shit done. This isn't my process. I've heard it multiple times before. I don't remember what it's called, but I finally sat down and did it. It's similar to the Eisenhower matrix, which I talked about in episode nine, how to get more done in less time, but the prompts are just a little bit different. The Eisenhower matrix is like one step earlier than this process. It helps you figure out the actual priorities while this method is more of an organizational exercise. I say try both and see which works for you. The first step is the brain dump. Just list out all the shit you want to do. This is one of my favorite activities ever. And in fact, I have a lot of brain dump sheets. Sometimes I forget to even title them. I forget they exist. And then when I go to clean up my documents, I find multiples with basically the same content on it. Don't be like me. 
Once you have the list, then you're going to assign those tasks into one of four categories. Do, which means you're going to do them. Delegate, you're going to give them to someone else to complete. Delay, you're going to put these off for right now because it doesn't have to be done immediately. And then delete. These are the things that once you see it on paper and you really think about the business you're trying to create, you don't really need to do this. This is often those things that you've been procrastinating on for a while because you think you should be doing them or those things that make you feel productive, but don't actually move the needle of your business forward. Then you can start taking action. And I recommend the first thing you do is delegate what you can. And here are a few examples from my recent exercise, though this is by no means an exhaustive list. Please send help. Things in my do list were add a new resource to the tools and resources page on my website and finish migrating from one CRM to another. I'm tackling that one myself because there's a lot of sensitive info that I just don't want anyone else to see. In my delegate list was redesigning the PDFs, moving some of my course content from one platform to another to bring everything together in one place, and then moving some zaps from one Zapier account to another to separate the lounge from the rest of my business for just easier management and billing. For delay, I have built out a new email funnel for my digital courses because I have to create the rest of them first, which is also under the delegate section. Not that I'm not the one creating the content, but I am planning to get someone to help it get all organized and edited and uploaded and creating graphics and all those things. I also have migrating my email platform in the delay group. The platform I use created a new version, but it's separate and I'm waiting for them to release their migration tool to make it easier to execute. And then also on delay is to start using Pinterest to push traffic to my podcast episodes, which are all blog posts on my website. In this particular exercise, I didn't actually have any delete items, though some of my current delay items might make their way to the delete column later. Honestly, Even just going through this process can free up so much mental space because you don't have to always be thinking about this giant to-do list. You just go, hey, I have to get these things done and I have to find someone to do this other shit. And that's it. It's a serious weight lifted off my shoulders and I'm sure it will be for you too. Whoa, that was a longer episode than I think I've done in a while. Are you sick of my voice yet? Now remember, like with everything I share, you don't necessarily have to do all the things. Pick out a few that would be the most helpful to you right now. Then come back to this episode when you're ready to do more. Make sure you scroll down to the show notes or head to ecommercebadassery.com forward slash 137 for links to all the other episodes I mentioned today. And that's a wrap, my friend. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. And I'll see you on the flip side. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you're looking to surround yourself with more product entrepreneurs who totally get your life right now, get your booty on over to the e-commerce badassery Facebook group. Can't wait to see you there. Until next time, e-commerce friends, stay badass.